normal, run-of-the-mill, average college football weekend to talk about. I mean, nothing weird happened. Nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing crazy. Teams I was supposed to win went. Oh, oh, wait. Alabama has to hold on to beat Florida. Oklahoma almost gets upset by Scott Frost. You have Clemson playing within a touchdown to Georgia Tech. So much to get into here on ESPN Radio. Pleased to be joined by Cam Erfield. Always. Cam, huge, huge nay for college football. And let's start with the whiteout. I want to wait for PJ, but let, let's start with the whiteout here. Uh, you have Auburn heading up to Happy Valley. They have a, a huge crowd there. Just the whiteout. You see like little smirches of Auburn up in the in the corners. But beyond that, just 100,000 people screaming at Auburn. Uh, I, I thought just a great, great atmosphere, man. But you go back to that game. 28 to 20 ends up being the final score. You had some questionable play calling, which I want to dive into in a little bit. But, Cam, you look at that game, I thought just a massive performance from Penn State. Yeah, it was a massive performance. Uh, a real massive performance. Uh, I think we have a little bit of issue there uh, with Cam's mic. We'll get that fixed uh, and get back to him. PJ Zuko again, will be joining us coming up momentarily. But, again, huge performance uh, by Penn State there. And it just, just, for full awareness, we are uh, we are working uh, in our studio, so uh, doing kind of a virtual broadcast. I'm currently set up uh, in, in our main studio area and the studio one where we typically broadcast out. I'm just making some improvements, trying to make it sound better. So uh, just bear with us here on second down. PJ Zuko again uh, will be joining us coming up here in just a little bit. But Penn State uh, comes out up top, and, and let's just go ahead and dive into it while Cam tries to figure out his microphone situation. You get down to the goal line. You're playing Penn State. You're right there looking to tie up the football game. You need a touchdown and a two-point conversion to do it. And you have Tank Bigsby. You have Bo Nix, who has pretty good legs. You have some wide receivers who can make guys miss, miss in space. And what do you do? You throw the old fade route, the old 50-50 ball, and you throw it against their best player. So I think that goes from a 50-50 ball to a 60-40, 70-30 ball. And it doesn't come anywhere close. They get their feet tangled up, uh, and you miss out on a chance to tie the football game. And after that, they just had to pick up a first down, and it was over. Uh, I want to wait for PJ to get on here before we dive too deep into this, but I think we may be overreacting to how significant of a win it was for Penn State. I know Holly Rowe tried to ask James Franklin after the game, what does it mean to, mean to beat an SEC team like Auburn? And my first thought was, what do you mean an SEC team like Auburn? Auburn, so far this season, yeah, they had two wins, but it was against two dismal football teams. And we don't know what Auburn is. I mean, they have a first-year coach because they had to fire their coach last year. So when you say, what does it mean to beat an SEC team like Auburn, I, I think it means you beat a pretty average team at best. I thought Auburn was going to win this game. I thought Tate Bigsby was going to have a bigger game than he did. But when you look at it, I think Bo Nix is still limited. I think he's still trying to figure out what he wants to do in this offense. I think the wide receiving core is still pretty limited for Auburn. And I think, and I don't want to take anything away from Demetrius Robertson, but Demetrius Robertson was struggling to find the field at Georgia. And he's their number one option now at Auburn. So the wide receiving core is not great for Auburn right now. Lines of scrimmage aren't great. 
but it's still it's a big win for Penn State because it was a primetime game, the wideout, 100,000 screaming fans there. Uh, you had plenty of recruits on hand. So it, it's better to win, but I don't know how significantly I'm looking at this and saying that was just a massive win uh, for Penn State. So, again, huge win. We'll talk to PJ about it when he hops on the show. Did have a couple other national games I wanted to dive into here. I mean, let's start with Florida and Alabama. Game jumps out to a 21-3 start. And you're like, all right, well, here we go. We're looking for something interesting to watch in the 3.30 hour. And nope, Alabama's doing Alabama things. Florida can't stop anything. The offense looks pretty anemic. This one's a blowout. And then all of a sudden, you saw Dan Mullen get into his bag. You saw Dan Mullen revert more to the Mississippi State. I don't want to say revert. Uh, you saw him go to the side of the more of the Mississippi State side of the playbook, right? You saw triple options out of Dan Mullen. You saw more off tackle stuff with Dan Mullen, and I thought it was a really interesting decision because Florida has talented running backs, and Emory Jones is obviously better with his legs and with his arm. He still made some questionable throws. I don't think he had a passing touchdown in the game, but Florida absolutely ripped. Alabama on the ground over 300 yards, but they, the their leading rusher had 86 with Malik Davis. So they were spreading the wealth in this game. And you had Alabama on the ropes with a chance to tie the football game and force overtime late in the game. Let's talk about another boneheaded play inside the 10-yard line. Two-point conversion. You have Emory Jones. You've been able to run the football all day. I don't even know how to describe the two-point conversion that Florida put out there. And, I mean, you have it's looked like a read option, and they were they Emory Jones hugged the the ball into the court or into the excuse me into the running back's gut and just kind of rode it, rode it, rode it. You're like, all right, is he going to pull it? Is he going to pull it? Is he going to pull it? And then the defensive line just kind of collapsed on Florida's offense, and that was it. You weren't going to get the ball back after that. I mean, let's talk about some other weird inside the uh, inside the ten yard play calls. Georgia Tech and Clemson. Georgia Tech. Fourth down, you got to score against Clemson, and you try to run a shovel pass. I mean, you had everything in front of you to pull off the upset. You had the lightning delay, which just caused all kinds of funkiness, and just the game kind of felt slow. It was a home game for Clemson, but then you had the lightning delay, and so people leave. The people that are left are kind of tired because you've been sit- they've been sitting uh, in concourses, shoved in there with other people while uh, it rained and lightning outside. All of the makings of Georgia Tech upsetting Clemson, you get there, and it's fourth down. You got to get the ball in the end zone. You run a shovel pass. Let's. I mean, we talked about Penn State, we or Auburn at Penn State. We talked about Florida's play call right there. Obviously, Georgia Tech with the questionable play call right there. I don't know what it is about these coaches when you get inside the goal line or right next to the goal line. And you can't figure out what you want to do. I mean, you're amazing driving the ball from I – mean, Florida had a 99-yard drive. You're amazing call, calling plays from the one-yard line out until you get to about the 10. And then it seems like all the coaches – and I've heard, oh, well, the offenses get uh, the offenses get stacked – or the defenses really tighten up and they're closing off and the passing lanes get smaller. It, I, I saw three really bad calls. That that That's what I saw in this game, so – it was an interesting weekend inside college football. We have a lot more of it to dive into here. Again, you had Fresno State upsetting number 13 UCLA. 
Number 15, Virginia Tech goes down to West Virginia. So much more to get into here. We'll come back. We'll have P.J. Zuko hopping on with us. Cam Urshay will be joining us as well, recapping what was a wild college football weekend across the country. We'll dive into all of it coming up right here on Second Down. By Cam Urshry and joined, going to be joined momentarily by PJ Zuko. We've got so much more to dive into here on ESPN Radio. Again, a huge weekend in college football. But Cam, I'm curious to get your opinion. You saw the Georgia game, 40 to 13 win. A lot of people are saying you saw how impressive Georgia looked. You saw Alabama struggle with Florida. Is it time to jump Georgia over Alabama in the AP polls? I know what my answer is to that, but before I answer, I'm curious what you think. I hope your answer is uh, – uh, I hope it's not yes. Uh, they don't need to. Um, I still think Alabama's the best team in the country. They went on the road and still beat a top 15 opponent in Florida. Uh, I just – I just, I don't see it like that. I don't see it, uh, Georgia jumping them. Georgia still has a lot of holes that's missing. They need a running game. I, I don't think the running game is there. JT Daniels, he looked – I wouldn't say impressive, but he looked stellar this past Saturday. But it's a lot of things that Georgia has to, you know. Oh, I thought I would up. rank stellar over impressive. Uh, I mean, it's kind of the same. So you thought, thing you to thought me. he looked fine, is what you're saying? Yeah, I thought he, he looked, looked fine. fine. I thought he looked fine. I don't think he looked like great, but I thought he looked fine. But Alabama's impressive. They were up 21 to three at some point in time in that game, and that's a big road test. So I still have Georgia too, but it's a close one though. They're, they're creeping on up there. I think that's what's scary for college football is first quarter Alabama. Like, that's a team – again, this is only the third week, and they went to Gainesville and played a good Florida team. Dan Mullen can draw up an offense with the best of them, and he can call plays with the best of them. We saw that last year in the SEC championship when they played Alabama to within six points. So, I mean, Dan Mullen can draw it up with anybody, and now he has Emory Jones, who the, – the thing that kills me that I keep hearing over and over again, which is like – I guess is, oh no, this is this is Dan Mullen's guy. This is the guy Dan Mullen recruited. This is his guy. So is Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can talk about, like, these are the guys he recruited. Kirby Smart went to the national championship game with Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. He didn't recruit those guys. Or he did, he just didn't get them. Right? So I, I think that's a little bit of over-exaggeration saying this is Dan Mullen's guy. He was on the roster last year, too, in Kyle Trask, a guy who Dan Mullen didn't recruit was the one doing work. So uh, I, I think that's a narrative we can put away. I don't think that's why he's sticking with him is because he's his guy. I think he's sticking with him because he has more experience than Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson was hurt. But also we saw why two-system plays or two-system quarterbacks don't usually work, right? Because Emory Jones got comfortable as that game went. And so with a play caller getting comfortable with his quarterback and with the quarterback getting comfortable with the play calls, we saw more and more as the game went, Emory Jones was starting to eat up that Alabama defense. Uh, let's uh, let's bring P.J. Zuko in here real quick. Again, joining us from his lab back at the house. we got the brick background. we got the screen in the background. P.J. Zuko joining us here. I mean, look, we're all over the place, P.J. We're talking about uh, Georgia-South Carolina. Cam said J.T. Daniels looked okay. We were talking about Alabama, Florida, but let's go back. Let's let's first of all, congratulations. Big whiteout victory. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that. You guys hear me? You oh yeah, we got oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, like just, just down down to the wire, PJ. Down to the wire. You had 
you had to think Mike Bobo down next to the goal line, Tank Bigsby in the background. They're about to run this football in, and then they throw a fade route, and you guys escape. But let's go yeah. before that. Let's go before that. Let's go to them stealing a down from you guys. So it's second down. No, it's first yeah. down. Yeah. It's first down. You have a intentional grounding penalty, and then you throw a ball out to the sideline that gets caught, and it should be third down because you have – you have the loss of down. So you should have lost it on first down on second down. You throw the ball out and then it should have been third down. Yeah. But because of the officials and I think it was really the guy on the side that does like the slidey up and down thing. Just he forgot to re- yeah. He forgot to reset it. And it was just, they're like, Oh no, it's fourth down. And you saw James Franklin freaking out on the sideline. I don't know. I, I, th- I thought, I thought that was maybe an impact on the game, but just a hilarious mishap from the officials. Uh, hilarious if it wasn't your team. Yeah, I'm sure. And if you didn't notice, you know what I mean? I I feel like uh, a lot of people, I guess, didn't notice. A a lot of people did. Uh, Obviously, it it was funny because we're all sitting there at home and we're like, okay, you have the intentional uh, grounding penalty and whatnot. That's a loss of down, but that's a loss of one down. Like, it's a loss of that down. It's not a a loss of a whole other down. added on to that. So um, I feel like a lot of people were just kind of going crazy. A lot of people were laughing at it. Sure. Uh, James Franklin certainly Everyone wasn't. was laughing except for Penn State fans. Yeah. Yeah. Loved seeing uh, James Franklin get so this is the thing. Love seeing James Franklin get so fired up on the sidelines about some things. You, but you wish uh, they would get it right at the end of the day. Um, but no, it was just, it felt like a bad dream kind of from, from time to time kind of felt like, uh, you know, a nightmare, especially when you have the ref come up and you're talking about it, the whole commercial break and you have the ref come up and say, Hey, no, listen, guys, it's definitely fourth down. Okay. So don't worry. Or it's definitely, you know, fourth down. Like, no, it's not. It's, it's, hilarious that it kind of got to that point what's what's funny is is, like with you know with you doing broadcasts and things like that with with high school football games and you certainly understand it those sideline guys they'll get you from time to time right and you're calling the game like oh uh, no 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 it's second down it's not third down or it's third down it's not second down uh it's just it's just wrong over there you got everybody you got it literally affected the game to, to that extent. So I don't know. It's crazy. At the end of the day, I don't know, you know, what, what kind of meetings they've had or anything, but uh, I saw some stuff on Twitter from Auburn fans saying they got robbed in certain points. Obviously it Not was everybody very gets well, robbed in every game. Yeah. yeah but it, it was very well documented. The issues. See, I feel like the, the things with Auburn getting robbed were like, judgment calls or you know you have the targeting you have you know pass interference penalties that that they complained a little bit about the problems that penn state were having with the referees were huge and just obvious so much so that they put a whole graphic about it uh, on the broadcast so um either way that crew something that they need to get a talking to or something. Uh, like, yeah, but I mean, listen, the football gods, and I want to try to get this back on track. We've been all over the yeah, place. My, we, had my to, bad. We, had yeah. we had to move out of the studio. Uh, we had some audio issues when we first hopped on. This, this is how it is. It is what it is. It's 2021 broadcast here. But I want to get back on track. And I did I did want to start with the whiteout, but I wanted to get to a couple of points here. It was a good win for Penn State. I don't think it was a statement win. I don't think it was. It's it's nowhere on the level of 
beating Ohio State. Right. right? It was it, it, to me. It's not even on. It's not even y'all's best win of the year. Wisconsin, that win was way more significant against a much better team, I think. I think it was just all the pomp and circumstances around this game. Yeah. You had the wideout going on. It was, albeit a middling SEC school right now, it's still an SEC school coming up. You have college game day on hand. There was an undefeated matchup. So I think a lot of that is what played into us hyping it up. But the reality is Auburn hadn't played anybody yet. Auburn is still the team that fired their coach last year and had to bring in an entirely new staff. So I'm, I'm looking at this one. And I'm like, yes, it was a good win for Auburn, but I don't think this is something you point to and you're like that, that right there, that was Penn state, Penn state national title contender. I'm not saying they're not. I just, I think this is yeah. a game Penn state was supposed to win. Yeah, no, I, I feel that for sure. And like you said, uh, I even kind of chuckled, not that she's, great reporter and everything i kind of chuckled when the question after the the win was you just beat auburn a great sec team you like, know, how, how do you feel about that and i'm like yeah they're in again we go back to the conferences right like yeah they're in that conference sure but we beat auburn we got a good you know top 25 ranked win at home it is what it is, you know, and, and like you said, it kind of got hyped up around all of it because you have the broadcast, you have the whiteout, uh, you have the first whiteout in two years. Right. So everyone's going crazy about that. But let's let's not overblow it a little bit, you know, too much. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you on that. Like you said, a whole new coaching staff there at Auburn and and two 60 point wins against teams that that, you know, aren't that great. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I get right back to it and and look forward, right? Penn State has to play Iowa, who's ranked number five right now in the country, in in like two or three weeks. So let's not get ahead of ourselves and think that we're world beaters because we went out there and and beat Auburn, who's like you said, you know, projected second, third, maybe fourth in in the SEC West, in SEC West, not even right. the whole SEC. So um, yeah, let's calm it down a little bit. But great win. I think solid win. I think you saw a lot of really good things from your offense. I think the play calling was actually pretty darn good for once. Yeah, my favorite play was when you guys <laughs> lined a tight end up at left tackle and had your right tackle split out at slot receiver. That was beautiful. And so by like the rules yeah. of football, he's still on the line of scrimmage, so he still technically counts as a wide receiver. It's just anybody mm -hmm. lined up inside of him couldn't go out for a route if they were on the line of scrimmage. And so it's – it's a play call we've seen a lot before. I think in 2014, we saw it in the Alabama-LSU game where Alabama scored a touchdown to their big tight end. He was like a 300-pounder wearing number 89, and they just like switched his number for the game. Yeah. Uh, I, I like, But it's just – it puts so much pressure on the defense because you have literally, as soon as they break the huddle, 10 seconds to try to figure things out. And so of all the things you're trying to figure out versus like formations versus uh, who's who you have to cover, the last thing you're trying to figure out is, yeah. oh, my God, the left tackle is eligible. And right. so I was like, one of the biggest plays of the game was a 40-yard pass to a tight end that was lined up at left tackle. So I thought it was it was a great game, super entertaining, lived up to all the hype. I, I just think, if I'm being honest, if it was more, if you wanted to make a statement, Penn State needed to win that game by 20 points. They had to hang on and fight to win. Which again, you'd rather complain about a win than have to complain about a loss. So a win's a win, but I, I think we can see some bigger things coming for Penn State down the line. I want to jump quickly back into the Alabama-Florida game. i just ask you guys a question. And, PJ, I'll start with you. Did, did you learn about Alabama or Florida more, or did you learn 
pretty similar things about both because to me, I learned that Florida's better than a lot of people thought they were. Yeah. And I also learned that maybe Alabama's start to their season, like where we all kind of overranked Miami and then they smashed Miami. Maybe we're overranking Alabama's start to the season and maybe Alabama, they can bleed a little bit. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what really it proved to me. It proved to me that Alabama isn't perfect, right? It, it proved to me that Alabama, uh, isn't just going to go out and be world beaters and beat everyone by 50, which if you saw the first couple games of the season, yeah, of course you're going to think that, especially with how they came out executing so well against Miami. Uh, but I will say Florida, especially that defense impressed me uh, a lot. Like they, they showed me a lot because I think that was the biggest thing. I, I knew that Florida's offense wasn't going to be amazing. And they impressed me too. But I kept hearing about the defense, kept looking at the defense and saying, you know what, how good can they be defensively and uh, against the top-tier talent, right? They come out, and of course, at first, Alabama's just cruising. Right. But then they make some adjustments, able to slow them down, able to make them uncomfortable. And you know, even on that last drive where Alabama was really able to ice it away, you know, normally they get those chunk plays that, that when Alabama needs to run the football, normally they can line you up and, and still get six or seven yards, whatever they want to. And Florida was still making it tough on them. Those those third and threes weren't weren't so great, like weren't very easy to get for Alabama. And you might say, well, that's yeah, they still were able to get them. Yeah, but seeing Alabama struggle a little bit. Is, is impressive to me, uh, but for, for the other side of the ball. So I think the defense proved a lot to me with Florida. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, they'll be able to win games for Florida defensively. Uh, I think that's the, the biggest thing later in the season. Uh, I, I think offensively, too, with those adjustments with Emory Jones, did have a pretty impressive game. I saw one player of the game uh, there on the broadcast, uh, although – it did have that pick, did have you yeah. know, some times where he didn't look great. Uh, but em- Emory Jones impressed me getting the pressure off his back, I think, a little bit too. Um, and if, if Florida can take a little bit of momentum from that second half and from how they were able to effectively move the football after that, that they might open some eyes. They might be able to, to carry that into the rest of the season. So I learned some from Florida, uh, impressed me on, on those sides of the ball. Learn that out of Alabama wasn't just going to roll over everybody. And hey, maybe there is some chinks in that armor. Maybe uh, Bryce Young isn't the best Alabama quarterback ever uh, in his in his third or fourth start. And uh, maybe it is realistic that someone's able to jump up again him this year. We'll see. And again, just a tight game throughout, but I thought the stat that stood out to me, Florida able to rush for 245 yards on the ground against Alabama, 5.7 yards per carry. And Florida came in as the nation's leading rushers. I mean, over 300 yards a game on the ground for the Gators. And a lot of that uh, was old AR-15. Didn't get a chance to see him in the game due to a hamstring, but I also don't think we got to see him in the game, even though he was doing back hand, uh, handsprings before the game. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you're banged up, maybe not doing backflips, but – I think one of the biggest reasons we didn't see him in this game was due to the fact that Emory Jones was playing really well and they could not stop him in the run game. And it's one thing, there's been one Achilles heel to these Nick Saban defenses, going back to even Kirby Smart as the DC there. It's a mobile quarterback who can just extend plays. Because if you try to get the pass out within three, four seconds, Alabama's Alabama, they're going to have that covered up a lot of times, right? If you can extend plays, dudes are going to start coming open. 
I think that makes the game coming up in a couple weeks, Alabama Ole Miss, super interesting. Because I don't know if you guys saw what Matt Corral did, but he was putting up video game numbers yeah. in their wins. Seven touchdowns. I think they're three quarters. I think he had yeah, seven three touchdowns quarters, yeah. in three quarters. Mm-hmm. So video game numbers for Matt Corral there. So that game just got a lot more interesting. But I think, again, my takeaway from that one, Florida's a better football team than a lot of people thought, especially on the lines of scrimmage because they were pushing Alabama around. Florida's better than a lot of people thought. Alabama, maybe we overranked their wins to start the season, but this is hilarious because they still went in to the swamp against number 11 Florida and won. Any other team in the country, we're calling that a great win. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many points you want. Think about it. No, I mean, it's to say it out loud theory, right? If Ohio State goes to Florida and they beat Florida by two, that's a great win. College football yeah. playoff, just like checklist, like, hey, you can you can stack that win up. You can now afford it. You can afford a loss, right? Oregon goes into Florida. Oklahoma goes into Florida. Hell, I'd say if you did a home and away, Georgia goes into Florida. Everyone's just saying how great of a win that is. Mm-hmm. But because it's Alabama and our standards are different for them, all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, what's wrong with Alabama? I wouldn't be so concerned about what's wrong with Alabama. I'd be more concerned about the team that came in ranked third in a lot of people's books, the Clemson Tigers. Be honest with me. Cam, I'll start with you. (laughs) You're on your phone. It's Saturday night. You're scrolling through Twitter, and then all the people start losing their minds about Georgia Tech and Clemson. You got to be like, something's wrong, right? Like, there's no way. Kevin said it on Friday. He's like, two minutes into this game, it'll be over. And we had Georgia Tech with a chance to score and send this one to overtime. Uh, I don't know what Clemson's headed, man. I really are they okay? Uh, No, Uh, DJ is not performing at what we thought he was going to perform. I thought he was going to be a lot better this year. Granted, he's still a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing to take away from him. But uh, to beat Georgia Tech by just six points, a team that lost to Northern Illinois, <laughs> it's it's pretty bad, man. I don't know where you go as a Clemson Tigers fan. Um, it's going to be hard for them to push for the playoffs, even if they win out. Because that game, you're supposed to win essentially by 30, 40 points, man. You're supposed to be – just running away with that. It's going to be a long season. I think Clemson might slip up and lose another one. I don't know if they're going to win out this, this is year. A, this is a large question, but I feel like it's fair to ask it after the weekend we just saw. Because based off of what we saw from Clemson, we don't know how good Clemson is. So what does that mean about Georgia's win, where we were just writing Georgia the golden ticket after they beat Clemson and Charlotte because we thought Clemson was Clemson. But now a couple weeks in a row, they've continued to struggle on offense. Who do we know is actually good? Like, actually, like, elite-level good? Because Chris Doring's on the SEC Network this morning, and I get it, he's a Florida fan, so and obviously a Florida alum, so maybe just still a little bit hurt from the loss. But he said, basically, you're an idiot if you think Alabama's elite. What? It's like, if we, don't, if we can't think they're elite, who, who is actually really good? Because there's yeah. been standard bearers for the past five, six years. It's been Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. And throw Oklahoma in there. Is Oklahoma good? Because they no. now struggle to wins over Tulane and Nebraska. No, I don't yeah. think Oklahoma is good. And that win that Miami uh, – well, that win Alabama got against Miami is not impressive. I mean, Michigan State just beat them by 20, 21. No, Michigan State handled them. Yeah, they handled them the whole like, game. Manny Diaz might be looking for a new job here soon. For a new job, yeah. That's not an impressive win. You see Oregon beat Ohio State. Ohio State, they struggled with Tulsa this week. 
I don't know if that's Did anyone a great see, win. too, like, Oregon goes in, beats Ohio State, and if you look at the final score, it's one thing, but I think, like, starting the third quarter, Oregon was leading Stony Brook, like, 21-7 to or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Stony Brook, I was like, they have a football team? I just, you hear about them in basketball, but, but I, you know, even then, I, I think, like you said about going into Florida, getting that victory, hopping out to that fast start, being able to hold on there late, Again, Alabama, are they on the same tier as they've always been? I don't know. We'll see as the season moves on because that's part of it. This is this is a big part of it, right? We talk about it in high school football a lot. You progress, you get better throughout the season or you get worse. You make adjustments that make you better or worse. So Alabama, yeah, they go in. They struggle a little bit there in the second half. That doesn't mean they're not going to be beating everyone by 40 later in the season, right? So I think let's slow down on not us, but everyone else let's slow down on jumping off Alabama and jumping off that train too soon. Right. Just because they go into the swamp and and get a win by two. Uh, But I I think you're talking about who's elite, who is the leader of the pack. I think no doubt it's still Alabama, but with everybody else, man, I think that's just what we're going to see this year. I don't think, I don't know if there's anybody other than Alabama that is on that higher echelon, just better than absolutely everybody they play. We'll see. I think Georgia, and I, I know who they've played the, over the past few weeks, but I think Georgia's right there. I really do. Um, all these other teams, though, I, I, th- I think there's a bit of a step back to them. And it, it blows our minds seeing that from Clemson, but you know, the, the chemistry and continuity are very important things when it comes to football, and that's just something that looks yeah. like they just don't have right now. Uh, you know you know what they don't have right now is Travis Etienne, and I think that yeah, uh, I that's think, huge. I, I think Travis Etienne covered up a lot for Clemson the past few years where it's just like, okay, if this isn't working, we're just going to throw the ball or hand the ball to number nine and he'll make us right. And you you don't have – yeah, you don't have Trevor Lawrence anymore, but you don't have number nine either. So I think that's a big thing that we're looking at for Clemson. I, I don't know – I just – I think we're giving Alabama the benefit of the doubt because they're Alabama. And I said this last week on the show, you don't make money by betting against Alabama, even though you would have last week. <laughs> yeah, but again, right. I'm trying to look at it as a whole, which is – Miami, in, after the first quarter of their game, played Alabama relatively close for three quarters. Alabama did not look great against Mercer. Mercer hit a couple of long touchdown plays against Alabama. Florida almost came back and sent that game to overtime against Alabama. If you don't miss an extra point, then that game's yeah. going to overtime, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if Alabama is as elite as everyone thinks they are. I think a really good test because if you remember back to 2020, this was a turning point for Alabama season, I'll say. Ole Miss gave Alabama everything they wanted to last season, scored more than 40 points on their defense, even though Alabama then in turn scored 60 on Ole Miss. They gave them everything they wanted to last year. Well, now Matt Corral is another year seasoned. He got to really get into that lane kiff on offense in the offseason. He looks unbelievable. And now you have that game coming up in a couple of weeks where, again, if you get off to a hot start but then take your foot off the gas against Ole Miss, they they are, they are don't have brakes installed in their car. Yeah. And it seems like now they have a little bit of a defense to go along with that offense. I think when you look at it, I think that is a worrisome game for Alabama. If they can get past that, Texas A&M doesn't scare me. Their, their offense just is pretty yeah. anemic. Uh, LSU's not very good. Mississippi State had they lost to Memphis and they got they got boned by the refs. I'll say that. I don't know if you guys saw that. Are you talking about the punt? Yes. So 
again, for the fans who didn't watch the game, Mississippi State was playing Memphis, and Memphis was up at this point. Mississippi State punts the ball back to Memphis, and nobody touches the ball for Memphis. A Mississippi State player comes, has his knee down, and touches the top of the football, which should signal that the play is over. You don't get a definitive signal from an official, so a Memphis player comes and scoops the ball up and runs it in for a touchdown. And the SEC, I thought Jason Kirk made a really good point about this. If your conference has to come out and inside of its apology, the apology is three paragraphs long, you you screwed up bad. And so I, I thought Mississippi State got, again, that was tough way to lose that game on an incorrect call. So, I mean, but I think it's kind of like Thanos balancing out the universe because you had a play that never happened with Penn State and then you had yeah. a play that shouldn't have happened with Mississippi State. I think that was just Thanos like balancing out the universe there. Uh, but moral of the story, Alabama gets past Ole Miss. I think it's pretty smooth selling for them to the SEC championship game. But again, I don't know that Georgia is as good as everybody's saying they are. I, I don't. You, you, you beat a Clemson team that isn't even a shell of what it used to be on offense, and you couldn't score points. The only way you scored points was a pick six. Mm-hmm. You Your backup quarterback threw for all kinds of touchdowns against uh, UAB, but PJ, with those guys running that wide open, you could have thrown some of those touchdowns. I've seen your arm. Uh, and then South Carolina's a bad nice. football team, but they were burning you deep a lot. But, yeah, you smothered their run game, but if you're going to play – and Kirby Smart said this – a good defense is able to play man up on the backside. Their receivers were smoking Georgia's DBs down the sideline. And again, at South Carolina, offensive line is not great. Luke Doty's playing quarterback. He was their backup because Zeb Nolan got hurt on the first series of the game. But if that's a team with any semblance of a run game and with some better quarterbacks, that might be a different story there as well. So I, I just I don't know who is actually elite right now. I think it's Alabama. I, again, I think it's impressive when anybody goes in and beats Florida in the swamp. I think it's Alabama. I don't know. I don't know that Georgia's elite. I, I want to think Penn State's elite, but again, they just beat the number 22 team and had to hold on for dear life at the end at home. So I, I don't know who is elite, but we'll find out as we go. we got another interesting week of college football coming up. Another week a lot of people are saying, ah, this is kind of a slow week. Brother, you got top 25 matchup between Texas A&M and Arkansas out in Jerry World, which I think is atrocious. Yeah. That game should be played at a home stadium. But we got we got that top 25 matchup coming up. We got some other fun games coming up as well. But we'll come back. We'll talk more about Georgia-South Carolina. Uh, and then, I mean, if Cam wants to, we talk about the Falcons a little bit as well. Oh, Lord. We'll dive into all that coming up here on Second Down on ESPN Radio. On ESPN Radio, it's presented to you by the uniform. Source Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko and Cam Urshery here. Glad to have y'all hanging out as we recap the college football weekend. I want to dive into this Georgia-South Carolina game a little bit more. Uh, did you guys catch Shane Beamer after the game uh, and some of his post-game comments? They're like, Coach, just like, what What was your reaction uh, to Georgia being able to stop your run game? He's like, I got five stars, man. You got five stars, a defensive line. They got a defensive tackle that can run faster than everybody else in this call right now. They got five stars in the set. I thought it sounded like the Friday Night Lights where he's like, Coach, they're big. They're fast, they're mean, they're dirty, and they're fast. It's like that's what Shane Beamer sounded like <laughs> after the game. You can kind of see him on the sideline. He was just like, listen, there's there's not a whole lot we can do right now when you have 300 pounds across the line of scrimmage that's just eating our guys alive every single play. But I thought a game that where Georgia came out and was playing really well to start the game. I mean, you, you open down the field a couple times, 14 to nothing really quick. 
and then you put Stetson in the game. And I understand kind of what Kirby said, where he was like, listen, he, he's played really well throughout the week. Or 14-3, excuse me. South Carolina got a field goal in there. But he's like, hey, Stetson, Stetson practiced really well. He looked really good. I mean, he threw five touchdowns and a half against UAB. So he's like, he deserves it. But eventually, and Kirby Smart's never been accused of handling quarterback situations well. Let's just <laughs> go ahead and get that. Uh, no way you're going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. But – I just I, – I didn't understand the decision. I kind of get what he was saying where Stetson had a good week at practice, but your offense was really in rhythm through the first two drives. You're up 14-3, to three, and then you throw in your backup quarterback. And first – I mean, first pass, interception, going back the other way. I just – I didn't understand the decision there. Maybe if you're up more and in the second quarter you want to start getting Stetson in there, fine. But to me – this was what, JT Daniels' sixth start for Georgia? Because he had four last year, started mm-hmm. the Clemson game, got banged up, missed UAB. So this was his sixth start. I think more than anything, PJ, I'm looking like, hey, let my quarterback get with the ones more in live fire action. This is South Carolina. He's probably only going to play for a half. And then Vanderbilt next week, probably going to play for a half. I-, I want my guy to get as many reps as possible. Yeah, exactly. As, as many reps, you want him back and feeling better and in, in rhythm with the offense. And this is not... This is not the time uh, to, to have any kind of questions coming in about who's the quarterback, who's not uh, about, you know, it, it's not the time to, to be handing out awards or rewards for, for people that are playing well or practicing well. Even if I mean, like like we've all said in the past, he's from our coverage area, right? Covered him while, while he was in high school football. Stetson's our guy. Fully support, you know, with what, what he's able to do um, uh, out there on the football field and believe in him. But this is JT Daniels football team. And, and it needs to stay that way. I mean, nothing has, has changed. He hasn't played poorly or anything like that. And we shouldn't be questioning that at all. And, and I don't think we are. I think with me, it's just, all right, even though South Carolina is not great, even though you were most likely going to handle that football game all the way throughout, whether you put Stetson in or not, it's just not the time. Like you right. said, get up 28 to three or whatever, get up to a th- you know 35 points and then pull JT early so that he can, continue that recovery and really be just 150% the rest of the season. So you don't have any questions about it. And, and it, even if it, if it was that right, even if it was, all right, we're up 14 to three, we're in control of the game. Uh, he's, he's feeling a little tug. Let's put Stetson in. All right, then keep him in the rest of the game. Uh, but it wasn't, it was just, yeah. it, it was whatever that was. And you just can't have that happen again. For, for me uh, with the quarterback, you never want, him looking over his shoulder you, you want him to compete for the job of course and win it but once he gets it you don't want him looking over his shoulder you, you don't want any questions or anything like that in in his head let it be definitive that's our guy we're moving forward with him and yeah when we get up 42 to nothing the other guys can get in the game that's a great point again he said it before the year this is the first time ever that he's known he's the guy going in didn't have to compete for his job why just put that on his back we got more to come here though on second now we'll come back final segment next for the atlanta falcons that's all i just need i need one word to describe it terrible that's fair i think that's i think i think that's fair i'd say i'd say disappointing for me Hey, PJ's sitting over there. He, his team has wins already, so he's excited. Did the Steelers get a win this weekend? One. I mean, I thought we did, and then we lost to the Raiders, man. Came back yeah, but you already have a win. You have infinitely more wins this season than the Falcons do. You beat the Bills, and then you come yeah. back and you lose to the Raiders. 
What is this? I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we, we literally don't know what it is. We don't know what this winning thing uh, is called here, but uh, it's it's rough. Arthur Smith still searching for his first win with the Atlanta Falcons. PJ, I said this. Uh, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Do you know, and I'll give you a couple guesses, which player has the most receiving touchdowns from Matt Ryan this year? Um, just specifically receiver? Or? Yeah, just, just a person who has the most receiving yards. Uh, Mike Mike Davis. I don't know. Uh, it's Mike, but Mike Edwards, the safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, has two touchdowns from Matt Ryan. So that's where we're at as Atlanta okay. Falcons fans right now. Big show coming up here on 3 and Out. Brooks Austin will join us in the 3 o'clock hour to break down Georgia-South Carolina. We'll recap what was a huge week in college football.